Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, and welcome to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation today, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love most. Maybe that's a classmate, roommate, colleague, friend, family member, or someone in your community. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content, so thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stick around to the end as I'm going to offer some fun and applicable takeaways to upgrade your health this week. All right, so we often hear of miraculous recoveries, stories against all odds where a patient survives what a doctor deems impossible to overcome. Renee Aria is one of those patients. In today's podcast, I sit down with Renee, an award-winning keynote speaker, to dive deep into her incredible healing story. At the age of 29, Renee knew intuitively that she needed medical attention, but it took several doctors with no real breakthroughs until she finally found a doctor who dug deeper doing a brain scan. He discovered that she had a brain tumor that had gone undetected for over 15 years. She immediately went into surgery, which left the right side of her face completely paralyzed. This didn't hold Renee back. In fact, her new normal propelled her forward on a journey of healing, defying all odds, and learning to fully love and honor herself and her body. Renee's healing journey has been nothing short of incredible. Today, Renee is a certified healer and business coach practicing modalities including hypnosis and NLP. She further is a speaker and has an award-winning talk called Flip Your Flaws, helping others see the power in their flaws and using them as a gateway to their sincerity. Renee is the founder and CFO of Rare Media, a media company, and Little Humans, which is a company in partnership with Mind Valley, where Renee and her soulmate teach transformational parenting. If you are intrigued and inspired to upgrade your mind, your body, your health, and your life from the inside out, I am so excited that you are here to join this powerful conversation that we're going to have today. Hey, Renee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. I am such a, I'm a fan of yours. You're one of my girl crushes and I love your podcast. (laughs) Ah, thank you. And I feel so deeply grateful that COVID has brought us together. It's really interesting how these times where we were, we would see each other in different circles and we would run into each other. But it's interesting that over this time period where everything was online and we were connecting via phone and text and voice notes and <laughs> calling one another, I feel like our relationship got so much stronger and more connected. And I feel just so blessed that this time 
that even though we didn't get to see each other in person, we've really cultivated such a beautiful relationship and friendship. And I really deeply thank you. And just some backstory on this. When I got into my rollerblading accident, you were there for me literally every single day, checking in and stepping in and doing energy work and sending healing. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, wow, this woman shows up. Like she deeply shows up for the people that she loves and cares about. And when she feels like she can be of service, she's there. And so thank you so much. You're so welcome. And thank you for being open and allowing me to be there. I've been really delighted and enjoying this process of connecting with you as well. And, you know, I think it's a good example for everyone that as long as you're open to what could possibly be underneath the other external things that might be collapsing around you, then there is always beauty that's revealed. And just to share a little bit deeper about that, we had actually scheduled speaking to each other several different times. And then there would be some freak outside experience that would happen on, on one of our ends. And, you know, finally, we just thought, oh, okay, right now, it's not about actually doing the podcast. The podcast isn't necessarily the thing of the moment. It's really about cultivating this friendship and exchanging our wisdom with each other behind the scenes. And then we got, oh, aha, that is actually going to inform the greater conversation that we get to be having on the podcast. Yeah, 100%. It was so weird. It was like, I would have to, I would text you and be like, I'm so sorry, I have to cancel for the fifth time. And there was just this understanding that when things are meant to be and in divine timing and synchronicity, things just line up perfectly. And that's what I've really cultivated over the past I mean, most of 2020 has been this just trust of divine timing, trust in what's showing up, trust in the healing that comes forward when we don't suppress and avoid, but we're open to whatever's showing up. And that I feel like has been a theme of your life. And as I was diving into your story, I literally right now I'm getting goosebumps just thinking of your story. But as I was diving into your story, I was seeing so much synchronicity between your story and my father's story of healing his terminal cancer and really trusting his own intuition and really going up against what doctors were telling him specifically that that this was terminal and mm-hmm. there was no no other solution. And so you've had three near-death experiences, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Things come in threes, so it's not, <laughs> not surprising, yeah. but, but also completely in awe of these stories and these different experiences. And the one that stood out to me was when you were talking about flipping your flaws and what was showing up around trusting your intuition when you got the diagnosis of this tumor. And so I was wondering if you could start there and just kind of take people through what happened and how you were able to trust your intuition over what everyone else was telling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would would love to share about that part of my story. Geez, that's always like where to start, right? Because every day we are our walking stories. (laughs) And there are so many different access points, which is why I think, by the way, it's so important for all of us to support each other in sharing our stories and asking the access point questions that will allow another person to be able to share themselves. Because as we share, we all collectively heal. So in the case around getting my brain tumor diagnosis, I'm going to have to rewind till probably about 
eight years prior to that because I got diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was 29. However, my awakening journey really started around the time that I was 21, which is when I I was born and raised in Indiana, small town. And Sarah, I did, well, you're from the Midwest as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe or, or maybe not of you will relate to this. No one was talking about intuition back in my small town in Indiana. I had never heard of the word intuition, in fact, until I actually moved to California. So for me, having what I would say at the time, the insight and the opportunity to move myself out of Indiana and come out to California, kind of the golden gates opened for me when I got to California because it just so happened that I got introduced to a friend group who I just thought were the most magical and unique individuals that I had ever met. And as I started diving into their journeys and their life stories, there were similarities coming up, you know, with all of them. And mostly they were pointing to a lifestyle of health, you know, healthy eating and meditation. And these were not at the time active lifestyle practices for me. I was modeling at this time, which I think you and I also share that in common as well, Sarah. I had actually been a model since age 12 when I was back in Indiana. So by the time I was 21, I was actually doing a lot of fitness modeling, but I was more on the like zero fat, you know, type of diet and thinking because I was on a zero fat diet, that meant that I was eating super healthy. (laughs) My friends kind of introduced to me, you know, the lifestyle of vegetables and, you know, the lifestyle of prayer and meditation. And I got introduced to um, an organization that is in Encinitas area in San Diego, which is called Self-Realization Fellowship. Paramahansa Yogananda, who is the, what many people would say, guru that wrote the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. I read his book. It absolutely changed my life. And I saw so many parallels in what he would talk about with following these inner instincts. I just didn't know that they happened to be called intuitions. So after I read the book and after I started this lifestyle of meditation, I really started understanding that I had always had a very strong connection with my intuition. And that is why so many people would come to me for advice. So because I saw that I had such a strength in this, I actually decided to go into professional practice around the healing arts. And this is all very important to mention when it actually comes to my journey and experience of the brain tumor diagnosis and healing, because truly, I do not believe that I would have had the same experience and results had I not kind of already been on a path of seeing, recognizing, and living miracles, you know, before I I had this happen. So In my daily practice, every day I would journal. I would do Julia Cameron's Artist Way journaling pages, which is three pages of free flow journaling. And I did this for many years on end. Usually I would write poetry. However, on this particular day when I was 29, doing my journaling practice before I did my meditation, I wrote down in my journal, there is something really wrong with me and that I was going to die. And... 
You know, at first I didn't really think that much about it because Julia talks about how when you do the artist pages and when you're in the free flow writing, sometimes fears can come up, sometimes projections can come up. In fact, you're actually supposed to write and not really think about it. So I was alarmed, but I didn't really think about it the first time that I wrote the message, but then the next day came. And the next Mm. day came and I kept writing the same thing. So, you know, me knowing and trusting myself by this point in time in my journey, after I was getting the message multiple different times, of course, I thought, well, it's probably going to serve me to go to a doctor and figure out what's going on. But Sarah, the thing is, is I did not even have any symptoms of really anything. At this point in time, when I was 29, I was actually a bikini model and I was was traveling internationally doing bikini modeling. And then part-time, I was designing jewelry and in my healing arts practice for doing energy and intuitive work with clients. So, you know, I was going in to see doctors and the only thing I could tell them is that I was writing notes to myself that I was going to die. So we didn't know where to start, but we started with blood work. We kind of just followed one thing to the next and we hit a dead end because the only thing that doctors could come up with was that I must be a hypochondriac. And I understand this isn't anything against Western medicine. I, you know, I'm not wanting to choose a battle there, but it's just that I was a beautiful, healthy, presenting woman who didn't really have any symptoms. And I had not a whole lot to share other than this intuition that I had. So after several weeks of this, I just really kept going into meditation about it. And I had a feeling to reach out to this one specific friend of mine. And just tell him, you know, like, brother, I feel like you know someone that can help me. And he happened to send me to a neurologist who saw me at the right time, had the ability to really listen and kind of inquire even more deeply with my own wisdom and with my sense of intuition. And through our conversations and the exam that he gave me, he was able to order a very specialty type of MRI because I already had brain MRIs done before that showed nothing, but he knew exactly how to order it in such a way that within a couple days time, I went into his office and he said, wow, I know that we knew that something was going on, but you better brace yourself for what we found here. And uh, I saw my brain scan on the bright, shiny MRI, you know, machine there. And my brain tumor was so huge that was next to my brainstem that my brainstem was literally bending over on a C curve. Oh my gosh. And no symptoms. No symptoms. Supposedly, according to, you know, my doctors and all of this, I basically should have lost by that point in time, not even really been able to walk on my right hand side, pretty much have no hearing on my right hand side and should have had quote should have had very severe headaches. But I, I didn't have any of those. And you know, I think, again, the reason that I even mentioned the healing journey that I had been on prior to all of this is that through talking to my Western medicine doctors, the only thing that we could really conclude happened here is that I had on some levels rewired my neurological system in such a way that I was still operating on total vital health, even though I mm-hmm. had this 
very consuming brain tumor that they suspect had been there for 15 years because it's a very slow-growing tumor, and it was quite huge by the time we got the diagnosis. So, you know, very intense information to find out, you know, when you're 29 years old. And I felt kind of in the, in the height of my career and all these things that I was creating in my life. And I knew that I was going to have to go in for emergency surgery. I felt very deeply when I tuned into my body that if this was something that was going to be healed on its own through the holistic arts, it would have already done so. And I'm really glad that I made that decision because within a couple of weeks time, I actually started developing all of this pressure in my brain. So I went in um, to get the brain surgery done. And in this type of tumor, it's an acoustic neuroma. They tell you the good news is it's not cancerous. But the bad news is it's one of the most dangerous forms of brain surgery. They actually have to cut open, you know, the entire side of your skull, which means that, you know, I had to get my hair shaved. And where they had to go in is the junction of the cranial nerves, the auditory nerves, the facial nerve, the balance nerve, you know, all all of the nerves, basically. So I already knew that I was going to be completely deaf on the right hand side on the other side of surgery and that I was going to lose a nerve of balance. But what I didn't know is that after the surgery, as I was being wheeled down the corridor and in and out of my anesthesia state. One of my dear friends was there and I looked up and saw him and he just kind of had tears flowing down his eyes. And he said, Oh my God, Renee, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but there was something really unexpected that happened. And I just thought, Oh God, (laughs) like I didn't know what it was, but in that second, I truly, truly knew that my entire life was going to be changing. Mm. And then I was wheeled into the <laughs> I was wheeled into the intensive care unit and don't remember much for a couple of days, but the short story is wow. the doctors came in a couple of days later and they were just they were such beautiful guardian angels for me. They loved and cared about me so much in the very short amount of time. Um, that we had known each other before the surgery, they tried so hard um, to make sure that I would just have the best hope, you know, a full recovery. But when they got in to remove the tumor, the only thing that was holding my facial nerve together was the actual tumor itself. So to take out any of the tumor meant that I was going to basically lose my facial nerve on the right-hand side. And For those of you who might not know exactly what that means, they revealed to me that I didn't have any operational use at all on the right-hand side of my face. I couldn't move my mouth at all. No, in fact, it's very interesting because I had lost every single wrinkle at all on the right-hand side of my face because there was zero ability to express. My eye didn't open and close. They had also told me that I likely within a couple days would have to go in and get eye surgery done to get a spring put in my eye because, you know, it couldn't open and close at all. And Sarah, the only thing that I could think about when they were sharing all of this was the immense sadness and grief that I felt around losing my smile. I had like a Julia Roberts smile. It's like Mm. my, my smile was my makeup. 
I was quite supernatural in, you know, even in my modeling profession, it was more of a lifestyle kind of natural fitness. And, you know, my smile was my most complimented attribute and my smile made me happy. My smile was who I was, you know, let's just say. So it was a lot of news (laughs) to take in and I listened I felt my own self crying. I saw the doctors completely in tears because there was pretty much 0% prognosis on recovery because my actual facial nerve had fallen apart, you know, at this point. And I want to share with you that it was really quite mysterious and magical what happened next. Because on the other side, of me feeling so much grief and shock around losing my smile. It was like, I kind of went like that was my uphill climb was this intensity around losing the smile. But it was like, all of a sudden, when I got to the top, something in myself energetically and emotionally just felt like I was sledding almost down a hill. And I dropped into this place of oh, wait, no, I can heal this. I can heal this. Everything that I have been up until this point, you know, in my seven-year journey of awakening and meditation and um, witnessing miraculous healings on other people, you know, that I was working with. And by the way, I had also had one other near-death experience prior to this. It was completely different than this one. However, in that moment, I held on to All of the examples that I had seen in the past of people overcoming things, including myself, where there was technically no hope, but using our willpower and using our belief systems in order to propel ourselves into the impossible. So I went to my doctor and said, I have no idea how this is going to happen, but within six months, I am going to move my face again, and I am going to smile again. Yeah, I'm having this flashback to when my father was sitting across from his doctor, and he said the exact same thing. He said, have you ever seen a miracle? And the doctor said no, and he goes, you'll see one. And he walked out of the doctor's office, went home to meditate. And in that moment, I was very angry because I was like, why aren't you listening to the doctor? Like, this is this is your doctor. This is someone who knows so much more than you. But that instilled in me so many moments where I, like I broke my arm, I flipped a mountain bike and they said, you'll never do yoga or Pilates again. And I remember looking at the doctor and saying, I'll do yoga again. Like I am going to believe that it is possible and trust. And that is what I stood behind. And so It's interesting that when we have these reference points, and I think it's so important for all of us and the listeners to take in your example and to really begin to think about where have you seen these other miracles that have happened on this planet in humanity and with other individuals who have been able to heal terminal illness and and like your story, because it's such a powerful reference point to remember when we're up against it, right? Remember when we're told something, because when we're told something by a doctor, it usually filters into our subconscious mind and becomes a belief. So if someone tells us, well, you're always going to be sick or you're never going to use your arm again or you will always be paralyzed, then that becomes our truth and we embody that belief and take on that belief. But what I love about your story was that 
in a moment, you flipped it and said, well, I'm no longer going to believe this to be true. And I'm going to take on a different belief and not allow my subconscious to embody this experience that the doctors are telling me. And so I'm curious in that moment, what the doctor said and like what the next steps were. (laughs) I'm like, what happens next? I had the most incredible surgeon, by the way, I would love to give a shout out to him on the other side, Dr. Hitzelberger, who was actually 80 years old when he did my brain surgery. 80. Okay. Wow. Uh, He he had done 10,000 of this type of surgery, which again is extremely rare. And I had such a spiritual connection with this man. They actually did my surgery pro bono um, because I didn't have life insurance at the time. I mean, health insurance at the time, which I'm just only throwing this in you guys because on the other side of when I had the brain surgery and when I was going through this process that we're now talking about, about, you know, basically deciding that I was going to propose that I was going to heal myself entirely of this. I was actually homeless and sleeping on people's sofas because I didn't really have any money at all after I got on the other side of this. So thank God to my doctors for doing my surgery pro bono. But this dear Dr. Hitzelberger looked at me and said, you're kind of fierce and fired up. You know, sometimes like the angry ones, sometimes they just make some things happen that the rest of us don't. That's what he told me. <laughs> That's great. That's and, awesome. You know, it, it is true because I really, I want to share a little bit more about that, Sarah, because I think all of us go through things in, in life where, and this is how it should be, honestly, if we're feeling, you know, and admitting to the full range of emotions as humans. I was really mad. I thought to myself, oh my goodness, okay, how is it that I was misdiagnosed or not diagnosed with this tumor that has been sitting here for 15 years? Like, why has has this thing not been discovered before now? And with all of the healing and all of the positive um, beliefs and mindset that I went into before I actually had the surgery... I absolutely felt like I was going to wake up on the other side of the surgery and that I was going to be completely reborn, but I didn't understand that my rebirth was going to be basically walking through all of my deepest shadows, which is also what happened and had to happen as I was going through this healing process. So I want to share that if people are having a lot of anger for the situations that they might be finding themselves in. Because listen, a lot of this stuff, it's just honestly not fair. Life is very fascinating in how we are all dealt very different cards. And seemingly, life can look on the outside sometimes a lot easier or a lot more fortunate for other people. So there was a part of me that was just like, are you kidding me? I went through all of this only to have a paralyzed face. Like, I don't think so. I was really, really mad. But the beautiful thing about anger is anger is so creative. There is so much energy with anger that if you can really embrace it and allow yourself to take on that energy and say, I'm going to use this to actually create what it is that I want I feel like you can really get yourself into the momentum of healing 
actually starting with the place of anger. So, you know, something inside me, I think, you know, maybe just knew it because I wasn't willing and ready to just complacently accept that there was nothing that I could do. Also, Sarah, you were sharing that, you know, often doctors or other people in our lives, I think sometimes they just want to protect us by sharing with us what they think is, quote, realistic or reasonable because they don't want us to feel let down about something. And in this case, for me, really, truly. So the next thing the doctor said after I told him this was he said, well, six months. Okay. So basically, just to let you know that even if this facial nerve was going to heal itself, it would take at least 18 months for that to even happen to like grow itself back together. So basically, don't feel like you haven't succeeded if six months has happened and you don't see anything. You know, that was was their response back to me. And I still said, <laughs> I'm giving this six months, you know, but they were trying to protect me, right? They didn't want to make me feel disappointed. So I'll just kind of give the the shortest version of the part of this healing. I was very, very committed to making this healing happen. So I leaned into all of the things that I had seen work in the past. And I also just started opening myself up to, you know, other people, places and things that would be advantageous for fully healing this facial nerve. So I had a massive healing protocol going on with everything from, you know, shark oil for the actual nerve itself, you know, all the rest of the nutritional pieces, energy healing work. But I still think at the end of the day, what really moved the pieces into place in the biggest way was me looking in the mirror at myself every morning and every night and truly visualizing that my face was going to start getting motion on the right-hand side. So I would look in the mirror, but kind of project in the mirror that my face was moving. I would even have to use my hands. You know, sometimes I would talk to myself as if the full smile was like already there on the right-hand side. And I did this religiously every single day such that one day when I was standing there, I felt a tiny twitch And I hadn't felt anything like that or sensed anything like that in my skin since I had had the surgery. And I felt like in that moment, just from having this teeny, teeny, tiny glitch of electricity that happened on the right-hand side, I used that flash of electricity kind of as a domino effect to start igniting all the rest of my nerve pathway on the right-hand side. And with definitely within the six-month time period, my face was moving again. It wasn't the full, quote, perfect smile, you know, that I had had um, before I had surgery. But within about an eight-month time period, my nerve had recovered itself 60% on the right-hand side, which certainly meant that I never ended up getting the eye surgery. And quite frankly, a lot of people, especially people who had never met me in the past, You couldn't necessarily tell that I had had facial paralysis, except for only with maybe, you know, a couple of facial expressions that I would do. Yeah, it's incredible. I never knew. I mean, I've spent quite some time with you and I didn't know your story before diving into it recently and I had never known. And so when I heard about your story, I was I was like, this is insanity. Like this is so incredible that you have been able to completely recover and 
really create this healing from, yeah, from doing this inner work. It is just so profound. And you share a lot about flipping your flaws and you have this award-winning talk that speaks about using your flaws as a gateway to their sincerity. And I, I would love for you to share a little bit about that because I think so many people can relate to this where our first attention, our first moment of waking up, our first thoughts of the day, or even when we're up against something we really want is looking at our flaws, looking at the things that actually make us unique, but we deem them as bad or problematic or what holds us back. And you know, I do so much work around this and it's so shocking to me and it even saddens me quite a bit. And I know the story to be true because I lived it, but when we deem a part of ourselves as problematic or wrong, we often don't do the thing that we deeply want to do. We don't fulfill our purpose or our mission, or we don't, you know, live out our greatest dreams because of that one specific thing that is holding us back. And I just love how you reference using your flaws as this gateway. And so would you mind just sharing a little bit about this? Because it's so powerful. I would really love to share about this. And especially, I think, Sarah, this is so relevant for these times. Because, I mean, we are living in such a culture. You know, I actually, I want a presence, actually, that I had. I'm now almost 46. <laughs> So I had this near-death experience actually in October of 2004 is when I had the surgery. So, you know, quite some time has gone by since then. I did not actually write my talk and start sharing my story publicly, though, until 20. 14. And this is really important um, for me to presence because I feel like this is such a universal story for so many of us out there who are really afraid to share ourselves because we still feel some level of shame. How that showed up for me is that even though I had to absolutely honor that it was an incredible miracle that I had 0% prognosis of recovering my face at all on the right-hand side. And by the way, um, we'll put a link here to the actual talk so that you can see my face as it was before, because if you can see it, I think it really gives, you know, a whole different visual context. It's one thing to hear the words, but it's another thing to see, you know, the visuals. I thought that the goal at the time that would make me feel that I had completely healed was my face and my smile coming back completely. What I discovered, though, is that even though I had had extraordinary healing, and no, it wasn't quite 100%, it was more like 60%. And even though, as you said, you know, you saw me in person and you really couldn't tell, and I got a lot of that feedback from people, the truth was, Sarah, is that I was still very much ashamed of, and I was still hiding my face on the right-hand side. Every haircut that I had would like cover, you know, the right hand side, you know, in a certain way. I would always position myself, you know, in a way so that people could see what I thought was the quote more beautiful or, you know, normal side. And I observed myself doing this once when I was in conversation actually with a girlfriend who I had just a lot a lot of love and respect and admiration for and I realized that I was trying to position my body and position myself with her in a way that would quote make me look better so that I could quote feel better on the inside 
of myself with looking better on the outside. And I watched this whole thing in my mind's eye. I observed myself taking these actions. And thank God I had this observation because in that moment I got, oh my goodness, okay, I've had this healing, but I am not free. This is not healing. What is healing if not freedom and liberation? Like I truly saw in that moment how, and God bless, because we're always doing, you know, the, the best that we can. But my best prior to that moment was this projection that if I could show the world that I could totally heal on the outside, then everything would be okay. And I would be okay. And then I would be desirable. I was single at the time when this happened. A part of me thought, like, really, who's going to want to be with me now, you know, with all this going on? There was a lot that was behind my hair still hiding my face is the point. And because I was able to observe this and because I knew that my true North Star was liberation, That is who I wanted to be. That is what I was going for. So I decided to start sharing my face with the world through social media videos. This was 10 years ago. So this wasn't, um, (laughs) this was a little bit before the influencer time, you know, but I did. I started making videos and, you know, healing and inspirational videos for other people by exposing my flaw and talking to people in real time about how embarrassed or, you know, unworthy that I felt by what was still going on with me physically. And Sarah, this was the real turning point for me. And honestly, in my entire evolution as a woman, to be frank, because I think I really got the power of using the things that we consider to be flaws, which basically A flaw means a part of us that we disown or that we don't want to be associated with or something that we feel is inherently wrong with us. Now, of course, why would any of us want to feel flawed? Why would any of us want to share flaws if we feel that they are the things that make us ugly or bad or wrong? But in that moment, I got, ooh, okay, it's really about flipping the perception of what a flaw is. Because I saw in that moment that as I started sharing those parts of me, which I thought I should disown because they were ugly, other people started contacting me saying, oh my God, I'm watching your video and I'm over here in tears. And I just had a healing from you so vulnerably sharing the way that you truly feel and not trying to hide this flaw that I realize that I've been hiding and I've been shameful about all these other parts of myself and I don't want to feel this way anymore. So I really noticed that the sharing allowed for the light to come through and start healing the shame. And from that perspective, actually being able to utilize the flaw as an access point to our sincerity, to our unshakable confidence, to our uniqueness, which our uniqueness and the things that make us different 
are actually the things that people remember. So for me, now these many, how many years later, almost like 17 years later, I personally feel like the way that I look physically now is truly who I am. I am an intense woman. I am a very quirky and unique woman. I'm extraordinarily masculine. I'm extraordinarily feminine. I am that like awakened, vibrant inner child. And I am a crone medicine woman. And I am ecstatically happy. And I am like, I will go deep into my grief. I flow in entrepreneurship and I'm a warrior. And my point is, is that I wear this on my face. And it's like, I feel like such a fully embodied expression of my character. And I would not change the way that I look now because it's my story. And it allows for other people to access their own liberations. And I am here for awakening for myself and for other people on the planet. And I feel as though all of our perceived flaws, all of our uniquenesses, all of our diversity that we have in common with each other as humans is that each one of us have these little pieces of diversity. I think that everyone's uniquenesses and diversities are really, truly the things that we all remember in the end. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. And again, I'm just reflecting back on my story, which so similar. We have so many similarities. When I was healed physically after years of eating disorders and everyone from the external, everyone, my friends, my family members, the doctors were signing off and saying, oh, you're finally better, but I didn't feel better inside. And so I had all this anxiousness and the shame and this guilt. And every time I had my picture taken, I went in to more fear. And every time anyone posted a picture of me, I would go into more fear. And I recognized very quickly that I couldn't outrun my mind. It didn't matter where I went or what happened, my internal environment, what was is what I live with. It's it's my experience that's happening every day. And it wasn't until I started sharing and I met my husband and he said, You have this profound story. And even at that time, I was still hiding. I, I was covering myself up. I wouldn't allow any skin to show. I was always scared to be in a bathing suit. And until I allowed myself to, I remember the very first post and I was so terrified because I said, if I talk about an eating disorder, it discredits me as a health coach. And he was like, absolutely not. It allows people to witness that you've been there and that you've had these parts of yourself that you feel shame about or you feel guilt about. And it wasn't until I started sharing that I went through this healing process of recognizing that 
I could fall in love with my body exactly as it was and witnessing other people experiencing similar insecurities where, you know, from the outside, everything looks perfect, but they're still witnessing this internal struggle. And so I am in full agreement of everything you shared. And I'm so thankful that you shared because I think it is such a profound witness to what is possible on the other side of the courage to speak the very things that scare us and terrify us or we dislike. And through that process, we can actually find and cultivate love for those aspects of ourself. I'm curious for you and for the listeners, if they're like ready, but they're, there's that fear inside of them. I know that you have this process. It's like for inquiry questions to help flip your flaws. Can you walk us through that if someone's like, okay, I hear this, but how do I get started? Or I'm still scared and I'm maybe not ready yet. Cause I know that there's a lot of women who are like, <laughs> you know, hiding behind their photos, which again, I have so much compassion for because I did it for so many years. And also Sarah, we still, you and I, and everyone else on the planet still does it in varying degrees, right? So in life, we kind of have those big rocks, you know, the the things that we accomplish or that we get through. And healing is forever an evolution and a journey. I have my tiny pebbles that happen almost every day where it's like, oh gosh, oh my goodness. Okay, there I go comparing myself again. Okay, there I go, you know, trying to listen to someone else's way other than what I know to be true. Oh, there I go again. You know, it's like it's it's forever happening, right? I want to share what the four inquiry questions are. And before I do that, because you just sharing now, Sarah, about your story reminded me of one of the key principles really in flipping flaws. And I think that this is important to bring up, especially to the female listeners. It certainly applies to the men and to the women. I would just say this is a little bit more of a a feminine concept that I think is really, really important to get and understand. We are living in a society that is really influenced by superhero stories. And I even see it with my son. I have a two and a half year old, which by the way, as I mentioned, I'm almost 46. So I also flipped my um, fertility too, uh, you know, with the later in years childbirth. However, you know, even when Osiris is watching his shows, it is just unbelievable to me how many of these characters are looking for their superpowers and they have to kind of like change and transform and then they take on like this other identity and this other power. Here's the thing about this four question inquiry is that it is my hope and prayer that it will actually realign people in such a way that we are able to understand that it is not about gaining another superpower out there. It's about recovering our own life force energy that we have actually suppressed, that is actually stuck right now in us on a cellular level because of the energy that we use in order to hide things or in order to suppress things. We have everything that we need inside of us. We are unlimited souls 
inside of these bodies with unlimited, you know, life force potential. It's just that we have so many different things that we worry about that really end up binding our own life force energy. So when we can start chipping away at asking some of these questions, what it will do is actually reconnect us with our life force energy and give us more vibrancy from the inside out without having to look, you know, for more powers on the outside. So the very first question is, what do you perceive to be your biggest flaw? What do you perceive to be your biggest flaw? Now, I wanted to share that this is not something to be thought about for a long time, because what will happen is the mind will all of a sudden say, no, it's probably not that one. Maybe it's something else. Well, I have so many. I don't really know what to choose. I don't want to choose the wrong one. Or maybe I don't want to choose the biggest one because I'm afraid to go into it. Basically, I'm just bringing up that the mind might start to put a lot of chatter out there. So it's more like a laser question and laser answer of what do I perceive to be my biggest flaw? Boom, write that down. How do I hide this flaw is the second one. So for me, for instance, let's just say going back, you know, to the brain surgery time, what do I perceive to be my greatest flaw? It is that I, my smile is totally, completely lopsided and uneven. How do I hide this flaw? As I mentioned before, always having the hair over my face, you know, on the right-hand side. The third question is really the most powerful question out of all of them, which is, how do I feel when I am hiding this flaw? Because the answer that you get there is actually the energy and the emotion that you want to be spending the most time on transforming because that is where your life force energy is getting completely bundled up. So how I felt when I was hiding my lopsided smile on the right-hand side with my hair is I felt I felt like I was not in integrity with the person that I wanted to be because the person that I wanted to be would think that I'm even sexier with a lopsided smile. I think that now, but I, you know, I didn't think that then. So how I felt was out of integrity with my flaw in the deeper inquiry. And then the fourth question is, what could be the possible message and the possible healing inside of my flaw? Now, often the answer that you get from the third question is kind of a portal for going into, you know, the the fourth question. So for me, mine was really about this piece of integrity. I felt like my flaw, my lopsided smile was giving me the opportunity to really become the woman that I wanted to be, which is a total sovereign complete badass <laughs> that knows that no matter what, her beauty is radiating from the inside out and that she is self-assured and self-confident no matter what. So that was my opportunity to start designing my life to go down that path of having all of the characteristics 
and personality characteristics, and then also living my value aligned life with what my answer was for what the flaw was trying to bring into my life. Wow. And then once someone recognizes that and goes through the process, I'm assuming they could do this for multiple flaws. Exactly. I still do it often for mine. Relationship flaws. You know, I mean, this is the important thing. The flaws are are everywhere. You know, it's relational, it's financial, it's with our jobs, you know, it's with addictions, you name it. You know, we all just have varying degrees of what we consider to be the flaws. Right. And then once they recognize what would be the actionable steps that you would take into your day? Would it be when you become aware of it, you pattern interrupt and step into this new belief system? Or what would be kind of some of those actionable steps that you take on when you're noticing it? Because once we notice it and become aware of it, it shows up more and more. Exactly. And and so then (laughs) it's like, and then it's like this discomforting feeling because you're like, oh my gosh, now I'm noticing that I'm covering up, you know, my cellulite or I'm trying to hide this part of my body. Or it's like the, the awareness is so heightened that then it's like, okay, well, there's that moment. And I'm, I wonder if this is true for you too, but for me, there's like the bridge of discomfort until the freedom exists on the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even a part of that, Sarah, is this is so humbling for us humans to admit is that being liberated ultimately, it's not without discomforts. It's the ability to be able to sit with all of it and not necessarily make meanings out of things that demean ourselves. So I consider myself to be a liberated woman, but hey, like my life is really hard sometimes, okay? <laughs> so of course it doesn't it doesn't mean that you know the hardships are going to disappear. It just means that we show up with chaos in in a different way. And yes, to answer your questions, I absolutely love this. Whenever I do my talk in in a group setting, I actually have people break off into groups and do these questions and conversations with a group of two or three other safe souls because of what we were just talking about earlier in the podcast is that sometimes when you have other people witnessing your process, your healings can be even more potent and powerful by having that support group around you, especially if you come together in vulnerability. So, you know, for those who are listening right now, it may sound like a stretch for some of you and for others of you, you know, who just love really diving into the healing work immediately and just kind of diving into the deep end. You can always gather a couple of your girlfriends and say, hey, I just got this question inquiry. Do you guys want to get together? and just do this perception flipping circle, you know, with each other. I definitely invite people to do that as a way to really shift more of this energy. And in addition to that, I think that the question, you know, number three about how do you feel when you hide it? Those are the areas where mostly I see childhood wounding that will come up. So for me, I had a lot of embarrassment when I was younger. I had buck teeth. I was super, super skinny. I was like always being teased in school. I have a very deep 
sensitivity around embarrassment. So that was one for me. And there was also this piece of wanting to be more in integrity. So I think for people who might be familiar with doing inner child work, the question number three is really the point where you can do hands-on healing with yourself. You know, you can ask, okay, if I really tune in, what age was I when this feeling really started in my system? okay, can I go back there? Can I be with that part of myself? What does that part of myself need to hear in order to feel that they are safe and that they are understood and that they are having their needs met? So in general, inner child work around number three, and then around number four with the actual message from the flaw, I really don't think you can beat journaling. That is always my go-to for me accessing my own wisdom and intuition, which ultimately is such a healing process. So you can spend just a week, you know, in your journaling practice, five minutes a day, just asking for what is the deep transformation that wants to step forth? What is the deep integration from this flaw now being an embraced and an accepted and a celebrated part of yourself instead of being that thing that you wanted to hide or have shame around. I love that. And I think it's important to, from my experience, recognize that often we don't have the answers because the mind is always playing tricks on us. And so the mind is only (laughs) picking up what is in your database of your subconscious. And it's basically everything that has been projected upon us, everything we've witnessed, everything we've seen throughout our lives. And so often... And when you're referencing intuition, I'm assuming that this is what you're referencing is the space of quiet, the space of solitude, the space of consciousness, the space beyond the thoughts where there are answers that we don't have access to yet. There are answers that we are not aware of yet that come forward when we create the space, when we start to inquire, when we start to journal, when we open our minds to the subconscious and higher dimensions and and our higher awareness that is beyond what we've seen on this planet. And so I just want to reference that because sometimes people get a little confused of like, where is this voice going to come from? And it's not coming from the mind. And I I believe it's coming from the heart. It's coming from our higher self. And I just want to reference that for people who are like, well, I don't have the answer right now. I don't have it yet. It might take, for me, it took multiple months and years to cultivate some of the answers that have come forward. And I still am in practice every day witnessing my higher self and saying, okay, what's ready to come forward now? And often it isn't the answer that my mind wants to hear, right? Totally. Well, I mean, yeah, most of the time, actually, it's not. (laughs) It's not the answer because it goes, often it goes against logic. What you're bringing up is extraordinarily important. And I think one of the reasons why at the beginning that I was sharing, it was really just kind of critical in my story to know I had already had so many years prior to having the brain surgery where I had totally designed my life around a healing lifestyle. So at one point I was actually meditating eight hours a day 
that is obviously, I could never do that now as a mom. But at that point in my life, in my early 20s, I was just so intrigued and so curious and fascinated by this autobiography of a yogi book and by, you know, the meditative lifestyle. I had been working full time since I was 14 years old. By the time I was 16, I had bought my own car. I was totally in the corporate world for the ending of my teen years and going into my 20s. To be honest with you, by the time I was 21, I was very tired. I was super tired from working. I was super tired by living an outside-focused life such that I felt so drawn to some of these inner cultivation, you know, type techniques. So I would most encourage people to figure out and commit to what is their thing. What is your practice of being able to tune out the outside world and get yourself into a state of silence and or a state of flow? So this shows up differently for people, you know, for some people, it's painting, you know, for other people, it's meditating, for other people, it's going on nature walks, for other people, it's journaling, for other people, it's doing guided meditations and or a combination, you know, of all of those different things. But I think it's extraordinarily important what you're sharing, Sarah, because you have to have the reference point for what is your gut instinct and your internal wisdom versus those things that you're just being told or felt from the outside world. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's such an important point to just remember that that is why building up these practices and doing these practices and cultivating this toolbox of meditative experiences and doing something every single day is so important because it builds your resilience and it it increases your intuition so that when these life-changing experiences do come forward, you have that access point and you have the ability to say, well, I have this toolkit of all of these meditative and mindfulness practices that I can now implement as I move into whatever comes forward in my life. And that's why I think your story is so profound and just so incredible to reference when you're thinking about, well, why do I need to sit and be in meditation every day? I have nothing going on. I have no challenges. Well, this is the time to cultivate that intuition. And so I love that. Thank you so much. You know, do you mind if I actually share um, one more thing? Because this is just, it's coming up for me. And I feel like, I just feel like this is so important because a lot of the personal development or spiritual awakening place, it's not difficult to find the miraculous stories out there. And life is mostly made up of a lot of small experiences and not like these big bang, you know, experiences. Like my brain surgery was like a big bang experience, right? And I just want to share this because I know that there are a lot of people out there and one of those people might be listening right now who are experiencing very chronic things in their life, whether it is a family member, you know, that has a a chronic addiction, or if it is Epstein-Barr virus or some other chronic health condition that's going on. I feel like often these more chronic things can put people into a disenfranchised group, you know, if you will. And I just want to speak into that and just also, you know, publicly share here for people who know me, this is like no secret, but I also have had chronic Epstein-Barr virus for actually pretty much going on my whole life now. So I'm not at all trying to propose like 
okay, you just do the thing and you flip the flaw. And then this version that is superhuman version of that person is just perfect. And you're not going to have, you know, any more quote perceived flaws. I'm working through Epstein-Barr virus still almost every day. And one of the things that really helped flip the perception for me around more chronic type things is I had so many people projecting onto me that I had already gone through so much in my life. Why can't I just get fully healthy? Like, you know, I do all the dietary things. I do all the coaching things. It's my, the service in my life, you know, that I provide to other people is healing work. So, oh my God, why wouldn't Renee just be totally completely healed by now? And why is she dealing with Epstein-Barr virus? Well, I propose that instead of this quote that we often hear people say, which is, you don't have anything unless you have your health. I mean, you know that one, Sarah, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have Mm -hmm. anything unless we have our health. I'm not actually a believer of that. Physical health is, again, to some degree, a very externalized thing. Health at its core is really where we are within our soul and how it is that we are approaching our relationship with ourself on a daily basis. I know people right now who are deep in their cancer journey who are extraordinarily happy people. I also know people that are physical representations of health that are very sad and depressed people right now. So I just want to share for those out there that might be going through more chronic health situations, try to really look at it from the lens of, could it be that I am actually one of the most strong and resilient people on the planet that I have been able to still go through so much and still be so committed to myself and still be in this journey of deeply, deeply falling in love with myself, despite all of the external things that might be happening. I would just love if you are going through anything chronic to shift and focus a little bit more on that, because I do truly believe for myself that I am one of the strongest people on the planet. And You know, it might not look the same way as what some other people might perceive as being healthy, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we are going to die alone. We are ultimately sovereign beings, and our relationship with ourself is the most precious thing that we have. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think with that quote or the way that we approach our health, we have to continue to remind people that it's the mental, the emotional, the internal experience, the spiritual experience. There's so much beyond just the physical. And that's my biggest mission on this planet is to to support people in recognizing that you can look physically well and you can look like you have this perfect body as so many people want to achieve from the comparison mindset on Instagram. But it's not going to shift the internal experience ever until you do that inner work. And so I'm just so thankful that you shared that because it's so important. And I am in such agreement. Some of the people who I know who are really sick have this really beautiful way that they're showing up and living life and experiencing every day with gratitude and and compassion for themselves. And so, gosh, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. I want to make sure people know where to find you and where to connect with you because I'm sure people are going to want more and we'll definitely link everything below. But if people want to DM you or reach out to you, you have so much going on with (laughs) 
your media company and little humans. And we could do an entire another podcast on little humans and the work you're doing around raising children, which is so profound. So if you're raising a child right now on the planet, I definitely recommend connecting with Renee because she's creating incredible programs around that. But yeah, where can people find you and reach out? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I do. I have the absolute blessing of being married to my soulmate and creative partner personally and in business, Akira Chan. Our media company is raremedia.tv. We do mostly educational programs and documentaries for organizations and individuals in like impact transformational and wellness spaces, including Chopra Center and Bulletproof Coffee, to name a few. And then Sarah, you were mentioning about Little Humans, and that's really been the project that I have been most focused on. We have a transformational parenting company with Mind Valley, and you can find that at littlehumans.com. You could follow us on Instagram. Instagram, actually, there should be a link on the littlehumans.com for Instagram. Otherwise, on Instagram, it is littlehumansparenting. And um, we just share incredible resources for providing the environments and the energy, you know, that we need to be with our kids so that we actually create a lifetime eternal bonded connection with them and we can help them to live their best life connected to their gifts while on this planet. And then I can be found at Renee.area, A-I-R-Y-A on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for your wisdom and your insight and being vulnerable and sharing your message with the world. It just means the world to me that so many listeners are going to have access to this content and just your voice. And I just so, so deeply appreciate you. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Sarah. I loved this conversation with Renee and I hope you did as well. I hope you found such valuable insights in the wisdom that she shared. I'm in full agreement that at times we can be scared of our own power that exists in us always, our life force energy. I was reminded during our conversation of the Marianne Williamson quote that states, our deepest fear is not that we are insignificant, Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We all have the ability to embody this innate power, and we all have the capability to be exactly the person that we have always envisioned for ourselves. But it is about becoming aware of what is beyond the mind, becoming aware of our consciousness, our light, the very things that exist within us, and letting go of these feelings of unworthiness and being unable to reach for more. As Renee shared, the most powerful mindfulness technique that she used for healing was visualization. And so I encourage you this week to start using visualization to shift your life. Visualize your heart shining light on to your happiest, healthiest self and feel yourself bathed in this worthiness. Rest there and enjoy visualizing all that you deeply desire. When you feel ready, Gently let go of these images and carry this feeling of self-worth with you throughout the day. Use this visualization anytime you need or as many times as you need throughout your day, throughout your week, and throughout the next coming months to really step into this space. And so a great way to enhance this visualization is to engage all of your senses into the experience. 
as you're holding a vision of your awareness, color it with sights, sounds, smells, textures, and emotion. Any positive sensory experience will help to amplify your vision. By creating deeper sensory experiences, you help to connect your vision to your body and fully embody this vision that you hold. I trust that you are ready, if you are here still listening, to embark on this new journey of stepping into your healthiest you. And as Renee shared, it's about being healthy emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so if you enjoyed this conversation, don't miss my podcast with Melissa Monte, where we talk about abandoning old limiting stories that are holding us back. Also, if you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with just one person that you love. Again, that could be a classmate, a roommate, colleague, a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone else that could benefit from the wisdom shared today. Additionally, you can always find me on Instagram at Sarah Ann Stewart. If you have any questions, if there's ways I can support you and want to celebrate you, so please find me there, connect with me, and tag me with any questions or updates or things you want to hear on future casts. Until next time, I'm sending you a massive amount of love. As always, it is an honor and a pleasure to share this space and this time with you. I'm so thankful that you are showing up for your health and your well-being. And until next week, again, I'm sending you massive, massive amounts of love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.